folks. Welcome to the Dish Big, where we go on a journey discovery in the food and booze world. I'm your host, Nick Sherry. It's fantastic to be back with another episode. It's been a while between drinks, but we are ready to find our footing in 2022 and crack on. This week, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with an old mate, an all-round lovable guy with a laugh that will both terrify you and delight you at the same time. I'm talking about Mr. Ian Ling of the Lincoln Hotel in Carlton, Melbourne. Originally hailing from Liverpool, England, Lingy took over the Lincoln in 2014, and the pub originally opened all the way back in 1854 and has continued continuously been operated as a pub or hotel ever since. It's an award winner. The Lincoln was named Pub of the Year in 2017 by Time Out. In 2018, it was named Hotel of the Year at the Australian Liquor Industry Awards and also Pub of the Year at the Australian Bar Awards. And Lingy himself was named Publican of the Year in 2019 at the Australian Liquor Industry Awards. But I think Jemima Cody from Good Food best sums up this place as she wrote in 2020. At a pub, I knew I'd find proof that the whole world was still out there. When veteran Ian Ling took over, it developed serious dining credentials, championing Victorian produce, but unlike a lot of boozers turned gentrified bistros, it never lost its roots. You want community? Here it is. It's good to have it back. Let's get into it. So Ian, what was the last thing you uh, cooked for yourself? Uh, Japanese curry. Ooh. Yeah. What goes into your Japanese curry? Basically all the veg in the, in the house. It's a, it's a warm, nourishing meal. What kind, of, like, what kind of sauce are we talking though? Like is this like super spicy? Is it kind of like a thick kind of sauce? Like is it, you know? You just get the packs from the, from the Asian supermarket. Yeah, like right. Like one with that maple and apple. There's a, there's a few. But it's always good just to have in the house because... If you need something hearty to warm you up after a massive weekend like we've just done, yeah, it's uh, it sets you up. Yeah, beautiful. Lingy, Ian Ling, Shackles. We know each other pretty well, but I'm convinced that there's a lot that I don't know about you. In fact, I know there's a not a lot that I don't know about you. Yep. Um, you're not really originally around from these parts, are you? No, I was born in a. In an underground jail, like Bane. <laughs> and just with the first question, we're <laughs> off. This, uh, th- this could go for about 30 minutes or it could go for about... 15 30. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where are you from originally? The dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Um, how about our start? You're from Liverpool, correct? There we go. Ah, lovely. Lovely question. Um, Where'd you grow up in Liverpool? Uh, South End. Yeah. Agworth, speak. So for people that aren't familiar with uh, the lovely town of Liverpool, I've actually never been to Liverpool. It's quite small. Yeah. It's not very big. Yeah. But South End, is that like, is it a shitty part? Is it a good part? Is it an in-between part? It's an all right part. Yeah? Yeah, it's... um yeah, it's a it's a nice place to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. What were you uh, you know, like as a little as a little kid running around, like what were you, you know, what were your folks up to? What was the what was the kind of general vibe? Uh 
Well, the old man was banker and a small business advisor. And uh-huh. the rest of the time was spent playing football or music. Yeah. Yeah. Were you any good at football as a young young kid? Could have been a contender. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what position did you play? Uh, right side, defensive, and then it's kind of like the forerunner to Trent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a kid, I mean... Were you any good in school? Did you pay attention? Were you smart? Uh, school was terrible. So yeah? Yeah. It's terrible. Never, never kind of got into it? Just no, it's wasn't your thing? Fights and football. Fights and football. Yeah. Yeah, right. How did you go on the fights at school? Uh, lost as many as I won. <laughs> it's not bad. Even. <laughs> Even. <laughs> so then if you're, in, you know, so if you're a young fella growing up uh, South End, you said, right? Liverpool. Yeah. What... What were you thinking as you were kind of getting towards your, let's just say, like your later teen years, as to what the hell am I going to do after I get out of this place? What does my future look like? What am I going to do for a little bit of money? I didn't have a clue. I no was clue. just living, living life. Yeah. yeah um, started doing, started doing glass collecting when I was probably about fifteen. Classical acting. No, glass collecting. Oh. Yeah. She's <laughs> a fellow at the age of 14. <laughs> I knew that there'd be some issue with the accent at some stage, and I'm, I'm the first one. Yes, I doth the um, cap to you. Classical acting, glass, glass <laughs> collecting. Um, that was like, that, that was the first shock of the interview. I'm like, what have I. <laughs> this would be a dark rabbit hole. So you were doing your classical classical acting yeah. in, uh, yeah, in a Liverpool bar. in a yeah, bar, in a bar. Well, collecting dirty glasses. Yeah. Do you remember the name of that of that first bar? That I do. I still talk to the to the two ladies who employed me. Um, it was oh, called wow. a Beluga Bar. Beluga Bar. Okay. Yeah. It was down. It was in a basement. It was like. Um, it sounds more fancy than it probably was. Is, or, no, it was actually one of like it was like a, a forerunner, like kind of. It was. It was. One of the first kind of nicer places that you could go, like kind of female friendly and it was a safe environment. Um, and yeah, I got a job there when I was 15 and that was the kind of start to whatever it was. Yeah. Because back, so back then, I mean, uh, you said it's like the first kind of, you know, better kind of bar to go to. Were the other options just your local pubs and kind of, Working class restaurants and and that's and and that's kind of it. Was it? Yeah, there was there was a lot of bars that kind of were marketed by the, the drinks pricing. Where this is just was music and a nice place to go and whatever it was. It probably had the same drinks because we're talking a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was just in an environment that like was nicer and safer. And obviously, it's in inner city Liverpool, so there was, there was fights outside all the time and stuff and. Yeah, but this is a nice little kind of oasis in the middle. Little oasis. Yeah, do you want to do a song? Beluga, Beluga bar. <laughs> and um, so that was your first little dabble into the world of hospitality. Yeah. How long do you think it took you before, you know? Because I guess you're 15. You're just doing it for a buck. It was a bit of fun. You weren't really kind of looking at it as to like this is gonna, this is gonna be what I'm doing. 10, 15. 20 years later Yeah no No it was just Get your £3.15 an hour And Don't play with the microphone (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so you're just kind of just trucking along and whatever, see where it, see where it goes. Yeah, 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 and then after that, started doing some um, some nightclub promotions for a gay gay club in Liverpool. That was okay. fun. Yeah, yeah. And then I left to go to Union Leeds. Where oh, so you went to okay. So, so when what did you study at uni? Very little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Technically, I did PR. Started doing business information systems. And yeah, right. Over. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how did that go? Uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was life changing. <laughs> but I mean, look, what I mean, you you did was someone trying to push you in that direction to like say to you, look, you know, go off to uni, like you have to do something, or was did you know did you kind of just? Yeah, it's kind of like the right passage where you go to uni, you work out. Obviously, kind of in the UK, you leave leave wherever you grew up to go to uni. There's a lot of swapping. Yep. So I went to Leeds. Had a pretty good time. <laughs> Carried on doing nightclub promotions. Yeah. Um, Talk me through some of your nightclub promotions. Like, what kind of uh, what kind of nights would you put on? And I used to work for uh, for the for, for the old man Dave Beer. He's uh, got back to basics, which is still going. Mm-hmm. I think it's 26 years old this year, which is. Pretty phenomenal for a, for a house night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I learned a lot from him. He used to work with uh, Malcolm McLaren and lots of live. Like there was always cool people around. Yeah. Like Howard Marks. Um, nights used to be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did a few things by ourselves as well. We did a uh, public enemy. Used to do some hip hop, some uh, b boy dances and stuff. Yeah. Right. It was a. Uh, it was just good energy. Mm. And so you finished your uni degree or did you halfway through be like, nah, this is not for me? I almost finished it and then they failed me on a, on a module that you couldn't fail on. And I was like, no. Hang on, hang on. They, they failed you on a module that you couldn't fail? Oh, yeah, as in like repeat. if you, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I thought I they like, were saying that, that this, is, this is actually, you know, impossible to fail on, but you <laughs> some, somehow still managed to fail. I believe I could have. Um, yeah, and then I was like, can't be asked hanging around another year. I was kind of falling into restaurants by then anyway. Okay. So I I started working at a place called Pool Court, which had a Michelin star, which um, I didn't know what a Michelin star was when I started working there. But um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of food were they doing there? Um, high-end, modern European. Yeah. Like, there was only 17 seats. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was pretty. I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, used to have to stand in the kitchen for four hours in silence. Imagine trying to do that now. <laughs> in silence. Yeah, used to polish cutlery in silence. Like big kitchen. The chef had announced the docket, and he took kind of like we're talking now. There wasn't any chowing in the kitchen. And was that? I mean, that was just very particular to this. Oh yeah, that was place? the I chef. Mean, this, yeah, that was his design. Even though he's a mad um, Middlesbrough fan, and he had like three or four ABH GBH convictions, <laughs> I think that's why he could get it done. <laughs> he was a fucking good chef, though. Yeah, yeah. So, how long were you there for? Not very long. I was still cutting my teeth, and I kind of wanted something a bit more busier, like kind of with more energy. Yeah. So I got a job in a place called Room. Which, weirdly enough, I still talk to most of the people we work together. There's a couple up in Sydney. And um, I actually 
I engaged my old boss to help me recruit for the new head chef like a couple of weeks, well, a few weeks ago now. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice to have those connections though because that was when we were 19, 20, 21. Seems like, I mean, I mean, a lot of people know that you have a pretty big personality, but it seems like with each interaction you've had at in these early on days, you're still pe- uh, speaking to people from from each, each each stop that you've made. Well, not two of them. I think it's, <laughs> you just collect people, don't you? It's like a fisherman <laughs> collecting your fish. Yeah. Um. So room. I mean, because, but like again, like where does how does someone get an interest and that desire to kind of you know learn more about you know high end food, good food. Like was it? Did it just kind of keep falling into place, or was there was there a moment where you're like, "Holy shit!" Like you know, you said like you didn't know what a Michelin star was going into this first restaurant. What kind of what made made things kind of click for you, and want to kind of keep diving into that kind of world? I don't know. It's just Frank Camara's outside. <laughs> Get him in here, part two. <laughs> um, what was the question? Ah. <laughs> uh, the incident that kind of really wanted you to kind of discover and learn more about the food side of things. I mean, if, if you started at that restaurant when you didn't know what a Michelin star was and, you know, all the awards and shit that comes with those type of venues. Yeah. Um, I, well, I kind of fell into it. And I started, I started, I, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, if I've got to take something seriously, I may as well take this seriously. Mm. So I kind of wound up my time in Leeds, moved back home for a little bit while I was planning on jumping down to London because that's where you go to, well, back in the day. Now, I think it's changed a bit now. But, like, if you were going to do it seriously, you had to go to London. Yeah. Like, there was one or two restaurants in the north, but you weren't going to get paid. You weren't going to... You were going to... You were going to be in the queue. So I moved down to London in 05, 06. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, started working at uh, a pub in... Um, made about that didn't go too well, um, and then got a job at the pub. Work. The pub didn't go to it too, too well, or you didn't go too well. Ah, uh, probably a different story for a different podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we I left there and left with several members of staff, like all of them. Okay, um, and then got a job at Rocker doing high end Japanese food, which was really cool. Which um, Ah uh, yes, I remember. That's um, that's where we met um, Bricky, right? Yeah, Chris was there too. Yeah, gave him a job there, and uh, Peno. There's been a few of us through that through that building. Um, I remember that uh, they did like that. <coughs> I remember they did that dessert bowl. The huge dessert, like it looked like a boat or something, right? Yeah, just enormous bowls with rocks and rocks of ice, and yeah, it takes three people to carry him. It's a nice, nice showstopper. Good spot, good yeah. spot. And how long were you there for? Uh, two years. Yeah. So then, so you're just collecting, you know, you're, you're, you're collecting all your experience along the way. Still, you know, still a pretty young lad. But did you then kind of start to say, all right, I'm going to have to be in a position one day where I'm the owner, I'm running the show, you know, I'm in control of things. When did you kind of, kind of set set your sights on, on, on getting to that or, or, and, and, and of course and we'll probably get to it as leaving London uh, ownership was never really an option because I didn't have access to like it, 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 it just wasn't an option until much yeah. much later um, 
if you stay in the UK, you've got a you've got the hurdles. You've got class hurdles. You've got money hurdles. You've got ownership hurdles. You've got the politics in whatever chains you've got because a lot of the groups are like there's a lot of politics in restaurants. It's crazy. Uh huh. He said, she said, they did that. They did whatever. So it's not really a thing that was was on the cards. I'd, I'd, I'd never really considered it. Um, it wasn't until many years after I got to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So then what kind of prompted you to leave London? Uh, Stella, my missus, was moving back. She'd finished her two years abroad. Her. So you guys met, you met in London? Uh, yeah, yeah. We met her at Rocker. She was, uh, she was a bartender downstairs at Sochi. So you met your wife. Well, she wasn't your wife then. But she was bartending downstairs. Yeah. How did uh, how'd you get together? How'd that go down? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We just worked together and like spending time with each other. Just kind of flourished? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's romantic. Yeah. Who's luckier? Her, her, her or, or Oh, you? definitely, yeah. <laughs> so so she, she, she tells you, I'm, I'm going home, back to... Back to always from Melbourne. Nah, she's from Bruno. She's from Banda. And what uh, was it? An easy de- decision for you to say, "Yep, I'm coming." That's it. Yeah, turned out. <coughs> it was pretty lucky as well because it was 2009 and your ass fell out in the market. Right. So uh, we came over January 2009 and started working for Movida. So straight away you went to Movida. Yeah, I had a couple of weeks somewhere else while I was waiting for a spot to open up, but yeah, pretty much just my Vita. I mean, did you already have a bit of a? You must have had like a bit of a bit of a network in in Melbourne already to kind of, you know, bring you in pretty quickly and 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 find you something. Yeah, I knew I knew enough people to come in hot, come in hot. Yeah, come in, Lingy coming in hot is a worrying, <coughs> worrying concept. So, tell me about your time at Movita. It was great. I loved it. Constantly learning? Um, yep. Yep, that's a good way of... Yep, constantly learning how to um, improve. Yeah. Oneself, other people around you. You can share more if you like. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no... You know, you, you worked yourself... Uh, you know, you worked up pretty... Pretty high in the ranks at Movita. You were there for a while, right? Yeah, like six years. And you were managing one of the locations by uh, by the time you you did depart. Yeah. Um. How does that? I mean, you know, in, in in the hospitality business, when when one person leaves to then go start up their own business, it doesn't seem like it's. I mean, people don't get pissed off about it, right? It's not. It's it, it's more like. If they're if they if they've been loyal and a good worker over the years, like you want to be able to support the industry and support the community and yeah, hundred percent support them. It's never a case where it's like, oh, this person's pissing off and excuse you. me, um, yeah, pissing you, off and just you know, you leave through the front door with your head held high, you yeah, know? and everyone wishes you well, especially at Movita, yeah. So, but before you left Movita, because the next step. In, in your career was actually setting up your own your own establishment yeah 
talk me through how you decided to do it, when, how long did it take, the hurdles that kind of, you know, you have to go through to set up something like this. Like it's a, it's a bit of a process, I'd imagine. It's pretty crazy. Um, it took us about two and a half years to buy the pub. Wow. We walked away from the deal a few times. So what, what was, why was that? Like what, what just wasn't falling into place? Uh, mostly the guy just wanted too much money. Mm-hmm. Like he was willing to engage and talk about it, but he had a very um, elevated valuation. Right. <laughs> um, and we just, we knew that there wasn't so much kind of goodwill coming with it because it was quite, it was, we were doing our due diligence and it was, it was quite empty most nights. Yeah. So we had a number and he, he wouldn't budge on his, so we walked away and came back to it maybe 18 months later when he contacted us to do some consulting. And uh, I just offered it to buy it again. Yeah. Gave him a, a way out, which he turned down. And, and then after that, kind of, he was still engaging with us. So I gave him another offer and told him to talk it through with his wife. We seemed to get it across the line. And for those that don't know much about the actual process of going in and just buying a pub... Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> are you buying the brick and mortar actual buildings or are you buying so the... We, we've got a lease, but our lease, when we bought it in 2014, was 36 years, I think. Right. So we've still got 28 years left on the lease, which is kind of good. Yeah. It's not like a eight-year or a 12-year kind of short-term thing where you don't really have... Um, anything to kind of on-sell afterwards. Yeah. If you buy a freehold, which is you buy the bricks and mortar and everything, um, generally you're talking about, well, in Australia particularly, you're looking at a large amount of cash. Yeah. Like the John Cairns for sale around the corner, and that's going for $8 million, and that's before your builder comes in and tells you you need to spend the next X amount more million to fix it up. Right. So it's, uh, it's a lot, especially we kind of... The big groups around AVCs and, and uh, Mary Vale's now snapping up a lot of, uh, well, they're, they've done a few beachfronts lately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, kind of scary amounts of numbers. Because, I mean, Mary Vale's probably one of the biggest hospitality groups in the in the country, right? And they're yes. now starting to expand down into Melbourne, Yeah, they've Victoria. got a place in uh, Flinders Lane, which I think is going to be a kind of Mr. Wong's. Okay. And then they've bought, obviously, they've bought the, the Lawn Hotel. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, how many, how many independent pubs like the Lincoln Arms uh, are left in a place like Melbourne? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to phone somebody and ask. But, I mean, it's got to be, I mean, because there's been, I mean, over the years, it seems like a lot of pubs have been disappearing, but either getting bought up by other groups or... Shutting down altogether. Yeah, it's that happens, and there's also the, the pokey effect where people buy pubs with pokey slot and, machines and then close them down and move however many they can move to another venue. So yeah. they make one venue busier, but they then close down maybe two or even three other pubs in the in that town. And it was always a pub that you wanted to uh, no, be an owner of, or. No, we were looking at we were looking at all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we were kissing frogs, as we call it. 
a kiss lot of frogs to uh, find the one you want. Yeah. Um, I'd never actually worked in a pub before. <laughs> I was I was in the cellar going, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> um, so two and a half years to 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 get the pub. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to kind of set everything up and kind of get the ball ball rolling? Um, like, why don't you actually, you know, you kind think, of, you know, you've, you've done your. I think we officially got, the keys got it on the thirtieth of November. Okay. Uh, we opened on the, maybe the second or the third of November. So September to November. So we were closed about five or six weeks. Right. Um, we didn't have any money by that time. So we spent most of the money we had on the kitchen to uh, to bring it up so we could do the, the level of food we wanted. And then we just decided to open parts of the pub that looked as respectable as we could get them. <laughs> and um, I was like, back in the, like, that first few weeks, we um, there was like raw plaster on the pass. Yeah, like it was um, it was very by the seat of our pants. <laughs> it was like get a dollar, spend a dollar, get a dollar, spend a dollar, <laughs> get the plaster in. And I mean, were you thinking at all that shit? What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't? You know, what if this falls over in six months? Or oh, fairly, it's not really an option, is it? <laughs> But you were so you were fine. You were just just going for it. Yeah, just said goodbye to my family for a couple of years, and uh, right. I went hard. Father, <laughs> <laughs> father of the year. Yeah. And I guess you know, early days. When did you when did you realize that? Okay, this is actually maybe working, and we're getting a bit of attention. People are in here more often. It's more full. We're doing more covers. Probably about year two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um, it was weird it just didn't we just couldn't get a translation right it was all of our all of our restaurant regulars it was a bit too pubby for them and all of the pub people is a bit too restauranty for them mm-hmm. now it's now it's um like a kind of no-brainer when you see somebody who buys buys a pub or takes over a pub and they're like oh it's got good bones we're just gonna do a really good food selection we're gonna do a small wine list that's what we did eight years ago, and it confused the shit out of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I mean, along the way, you, I mean, we, we can call you an, an award-winning publican, can we not? Yeah. Oh, is this where you give me an award? I haven't picked one up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm proud to... Do- <laughs> Let's bring in the sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> um... <coughs> But yeah, I mean, like there must have been. So, how did you? So, if you're getting that feedback, which, which which is actually pretty good feedback from from your customers, to be saying, look, you know, it feels a bit too restauranty. Or no, it feels we, a bit we too had to work that out. Are oh, you working that yeah. for yourself? Yeah, it that wasn't was, that was the constant tweaking that you right. go through with the product to kind of it's what you want to do, it's what you want to where you want to end up, but then whatever your commercial reality is, is what you tinker towards. Right. So how did you, how did you kind of tweak and, and tinker to you? You felt like you uh, had it had it right, um, or is that constant? Or, or is that constantly it's, happening? It's constant. Like we changed. Well, obviously, kind of with the uh, the COVID and stuff, our product's very very different to what it was two years ago. In what way? 
for starters, the pub's almost twice as big as it was. We've got because we went to outdoor dining, right? Um, we've got ninety chairs outside now. We, yep. we went from twenty something, and we've got a private dining room which used to be a Chinese restaurant, and yep. that holds thirty. So when this place is full now, like it's not like we made the kitchen bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're um, we're we're constantly kind of changing like the builders have been through recently we're going to change all of our back of house uh, procedures just so we try and make everyone's life a little bit easier a bit more organized what kind of what kind of procedures like you know what, what kind of changes do you make in that way oh just how we store things racking like yeah. just so we haven't got stacks of things everywhere so yeah. it's, it's all on, on shelving units where it's easy to find where you can tell somebody that's new where it is straight away yeah um, and everything's nice and easy to clean and just like really simple things like that which make a better working environment and, and a better culture for everybody so you just get I mean you're getting you're getting extra organised yes but tell me um, and we don't we can talk as much about it or as little about it as you want because I'm sure you're probably sick of it but but when COVID did hit and the shit really hit the fan Talk us through how you managed to keep the business going. Uh, it's, it, uh, it's constantly... Um, they don't close pubs during the war. Pubs don't close. Right. <laughs> like they're, a, they're essential parts of communities. So it's not like I could have called one of the old boys and said, what happened in 74? What happened in 86? What happened? It's never happened. And the other thing is, like, I can't really think of any examples where they've just turned off the cash flow to the economy like they did. Mm -hmm. So everybody was pushing out to do delivery or take home or X, Y, Z. Um, And for us, we've got, well, at that time we had six years of numbers. And we we know that unless the offices and the universities and and everything that happens around the Lincoln, um, unless they're all at work and doing their things, we're quiet. Um, although when we had JobKeeper so for the first two lockdowns, uh, we used that to get the guys out of the house because most waiters are quite social um, people. Um, a lot of our guys live by themselves. Mm-hmm. So we got them out of the house and we used that to kind of make sure that they were okay. But we were barely scraping rent every week. And our rent had been reduced by quite a bit. And then we've got the following lockdowns. I can't remember how many of them are now. And we decided it was better for us to do nothing. So just shut down and... Yeah, we did some jobs that we wouldn't ever get the chance to do. We took the kitchen apart. uh, We put it back together. We bought some new bits of kit. We polished all the terrazzo. All the what? Uh, all of the uh, polished concrete in the, in the ah, front bar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we did all of that. And um, we just basically took it easy because every time the pub reopened, it went gangbusters. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what we did. And, and then when we reopened, kind of for the last one, kind of October the 22nd, I think, um, that was it till Christmas. Like, we were all just working. Yeah. So... It was it was zero to hundred really for us. Tell, tell me your best Alan Partridge show. Oh, you put me on the spot now. 
Tell t- tell everyone who Alan Partridge is. Uh, he's a uh, he's he's a national treasure of England. <laughs> he's um is it Norfolk? He lives in Norfolk. You should YouTube it. Uh, he's he's got a fantastic local radio show. Yep. And he really does uh, shine a spotlight on uh, the day's issues. Beautiful. Do do you miss do you miss home? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all? Oh, you miss your mates and you miss your parents and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you just get on with it. Yeah. Home is where you are. Home is what you make of it. Oh, look at those beautiful words from, from me and Ling. Yeah. You don't, you don't miss uh, your, your football team? Uh, just watch them on the telly. Yeah, it's, it's actually easier to watch Liverpool here than it is at home. And then, yeah, I get to fly home with your stepbrother sometimes <laughs> to watch <laughs> matches. <laughs> um, I mean, is there anything along the way that, you know, you would have, you would have done a bit differently? Oh, thousands of things, but... I'd start with number 1,000. We'll count down. Agreeing to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 999. Not having it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> What else? Uh, I don't know. Like, that's what growing older is, isn't it? It's experience. It's, it's how you take everything that's come before and make tomorrow better, surely. Yeah. You can't actually change anything, but you can treat future endeavours and, and experiences with the things that you've, you've learned up until this point. I mean, like, I mean, you were saying when you were, um, you know, you wanted to, after leaving that initial restaurant, like you wanted to go somewhere with more energy. You know, you, you have a lot of energy. You're like a, you like a laugh. When you get a bit older and, you know, you have, you have two lovely daughters and you want to have a family, you know, is, is it tough to kind of, you know, make it all work at once? Or do you find that, you know, priority shift and... And you can still, you know, you can still run the business to the same degree and give well, it enough attention. And at the moment, that's that's quite um, a tricky one, just because we've got so much staffing shortages. Right. Um, I think we're about seven short at the moment, which is is not a small amount. So how long how long do you think it's actually going to take you to get um, to get staff back? Like what? One, where have they all gone? Or have they moved on to other, other industries? Like, what's, the, what's it going to take, do you think? Well, for starters, when the Prime Minister stands up and says, go home to people with visas who've been paying taxes, mm-hmm. it's not good luck. Um, on the back of that, at the start of um, JobKeeper, uh, a lot of Kiwis didn't qualify for it, so they went home. Okay. Um, there's no backpackers. Yep. And uh, now, uh, with the news, there's quite a common misconception that Australia's flooded, which is right. what we're hearing at the moment. So there's not really many options for, like, the natural or the, the older kind of talent pools that we would dip into, students, who were coming back slowly but surely, but I'm pretty sure we're not seeing as many as, as we have done in previous years. Backpackers, um, kind of RIP, 
so are our assistant managers, our venue managers, our those guys have been getting paid in Queensland, WA, wherever you want. Yeah. But the stop start nature and the and the poor um rollout of how we looked after our staff from the government has really affected the confidence. Um you better get a job in the in, in the construction industry. They yeah. haven't been turned off, you know? So it's gonna take a, a long time. It's probably gonna take years. You think so? Yeah. So it's not like maybe give it another twelve months and well, we'll be back to where we were. It's like this is gonna be a very slow, slow yes. journey. Yeah. Then looking looking ahead then, what are you what are you looking forward to? Like what do you wanna kinda do with, with, with the Lincoln that's um that's gonna kinda help you grow in a way? Well that's 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 part of, of what we're looking at at the moment. It's kind of how our company culture and the reason why our staff stay with us and looking into that and drilling down into it and uh, trying to find one or two or three and all of a sudden you've got more of a foundation and then you build from there. It's not going to happen overnight. It's still going to be some long shift ahead, but um, it's definitely kind of, there's a pathway out. Yeah. I've always been curious to speak to, to venue owners about how they... Um how they take criticism? Yeah, it's time to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer I was looking for from you. I mean, do you find it hard to... Well, okay, look, if it's constructive criticism, then that's fine, right? To, yeah. It's like, thank, you know, thanks for pointing it out, you know. We'll, oh, 100%. We'll fix that, you know, like, or, you know, good, good suggestion, whatever. Yeah. When, when it's not... That's, had, when, that's when I go to town. That's when you go to town. Yeah. Don't hold back. Nah, fuck them. <laughs> and that's that. It's called being turbo linged. It's horrible. Turbo linged? Yeah. I wonder, do, do you remember some of the biggest turbo linged experiences that you've had? There's no way it's going on tape. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't even want to try an, an, an edited version? No, nah, we're good. You might you might lose it lose a customer base. Either that or just get. So it's best just left. Yeah, done. Left and and move on. Yeah. Well, then with all that, I think I think we've covered everything. Beautiful. So Lingy, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the Dish Pig. Dish Pigs. It's uh, it's been thrilling. Thanks, mate. Thrilling to talk to you. You're looking oh. well. I'm glad. I'm glad I flew all the way here from Los Angeles to see you in person to do this as well. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are. You, you, you're going to cover the, the cost of my flight, right? Sure. Just just send, send me you, an invoice. Send you an invoice. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Have you got the? Uh, yeah. Just send it through to Ian at don'tgiveafuck.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. <laughs>